0: We've been, uh, we've, we began last week a, a series of five sermons on the book of Philemon. The book of Philemon is a really short um, book in the New Testament. So short, in fact, I can't quite find it at the moment, but I know it's there. It's a letter that's very specific, very particular, and it was written to um, a slave owner, whose slave had run away, but it was written to a whole church. And what Paul, who wrote it, the Apostle Paul, what he was saying was actually the way we react to, the way we handle quite common situations reflect something about an alternative kingdom of God. Now, those of you that are with us regularly know that I bang on about this almost relentlessly. That being a Christian actually is about seeing the whole of life differently. It's about joining a new kingdom. And a new kingdom where things are dealt with differently. We do things differently around here. And I know sometimes that can be quite difficult because we have high expectations of one another. And sometimes we let each other down. And some of you will know that feeling of having been let down by churches. Because you kind of thought, I thought it would be different. And you were right to think that. So how do we deal with one another when things go wrong? And in a sense, that's what we're going to look at uh, this morning. In particular, we'll look at how in the kingdom of God, the hierarchies, the natural hierarchies are subverted. Where the sort of the normal way that we know our position in society gets changed. And we're brothers and we're sisters together. So we're going to read it, uh, that whole letter, if you've got your Bible. Um, It's just after Titus, if that helps. (laughs) Um, Or or before Hebrews. (laughs) Page 1135. (laughs) But we're going to put it on the screen. And Glynn is going to come and read for us. Adam, can you just uh, take us through...
1: the the slides for this. Thank you. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. To Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker. To Aphia, our sister. To Archippus, our fellow soldier. And to the church that meets in your home. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, my brother, have refreshed the heart of the saints. Therefore, Although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I appeal to you on the basis of love. I then, as Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I'm in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favor you do will be spontaneous and not forced. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back for good, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother." that I might have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one thing more, prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Thank you very much.
0: So, the name of the slave owner is Philemon, and his slave has gone AWOL- And he's had to deal with that So you're a slave owner, you're a Roman citizen, you're a householder A church meets in your home and one of your slaves has done a bunk How are you left feeling? This is not a rhetorical question Not happy is one correct answer Expand Frustrated, why would you be frustrated? You're frustrated because he's left you high and dry. He doesn't care about your situation. He's not thinking about you. And although this may be awkward for us to listen and hear, actually, if one of your household servants goes away, he may well have been your child's teacher. Who's going to teach the kid? A a supply slave, presumably. I don't know how that works. But do you know what I mean? There's a gap. There's a gap. Frustrated. How else might you feel? Angry. Why angry? He would be shown up in the community. He's angry because he's got a reputation to think of. Anything else? Puzzled. Why did he go? I thought I was a good master. I thought I was... I'm a Christian. I've tried to be different than the other slave owners. I've not mistreated him. I've not abused him. So why is he just... Done a runner. Confused. Anything else? Concerned that now one goes, there's a rush for the door. I have to say, people in this front, the more expensive seats, are doing very well. I just just say that to you as an an observation. Um, Yeah, but that sort of fear of Will they all do a run, John. You see, the problem when you speak from the cheap seats is I can't hear you. <laughs> My hearing is going. Struggling with forgiveness. Struggling with forgiveness. And Philemon, I think you're absolutely right, actually. All of this and more is Philemon. Do you know how it feels? I mean, not to own a slave and not to have the exact situation, but do you know a similar situation where you feel let down, where you feel embarrassed, where you feel angry, where you feel... I thought I was doing my best. He's a slave owner, and there's Onesimus. Now, it's thought that Onesimus comes back with this letter... That Paul writes. How will a Nessimus, uh, Nessimus, <laughs> um, how would a feel? Do you think going back, frightened because fear of punishment? What else might you feel? Embarrassed. Maybe he'd said to his fellow slaves, I'm out of here. I'm going, I'm making a bid for freedom. And here he comes back almost with his tail between his legs. Embarrassed. Anything else? Hopeful. Shame. What will they think of me? Hopeful that something better might come. Shame. Maybe that feeling as well of, this is my life but Onesimus comes back with the letter because Onesimus has met Paul, all right? And what Paul's trying to do here is Paul's trying to build a bridge between Philemon and Onesimus. And Paul's going to do it in a very particular way, which we'll talk about in a moment. But how does it feel to be Paul Optimistic, hopefully, frustrated that he can't do more, anxious because he doesn't know how this is going to turn out. It could actually end up much worse. Paul could well have met Onesimus and said, I'll intercede for you, let's go back. And then Philemon knocks five shades out of him. How's it feel to be Paul? You don't know how it's going to work out. So Paul, who's in prison, writes a letter to Philemon about Onesimus, possibly with Onesimus there. But here's the interesting thing. He writes it to a church... (laughs) Who are all watching on. So the equivalent would be two people in our congregation have had a massive, massive bust up. And they have to listen to someone speak to them in front of all of you. How would you feel? (laughs) Pardon? Put out. Put out that you have to listen to it. Put out about the situation. Yeah. In this group, there will be some people who will be saying, you've got to give Anesimus another chance. And there will be some people who are going, no, 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 no. Beat him up. There's some people who are going, oh, this is awkward. <laughs> I mean, these people were not British people, but if they had been British, this would be the worst scenario in the world, wouldn't it? Just the embarrassment of, oh, no, I don't want to be here. It's interesting why it's not a private letter. Not a private letter. And I wonder whether it's because when relationships fracture, it takes a community for them to come back together again, and not just the injured parties. We need help. Now, Paul is really clear on what he thinks. In his earliest letter of Galatians, he writes, In Christ, there's neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, slave nor free. Paul is really clear that actually in Christ, we're a new we have new relationships. We see each other differently. We don't look down on the Greek if we're a Jew because they're just like pagans. And the, pay- the Greeks, with all their pagan background, don't look down on the Jew and go, oh, they're just so legalistic. And the men don't say, well, in the whole of society, we just have more privileges than women. And the women, they're lifted up in Paul's mind. a male And a slave and free in Christ, your brother's. Your brothers and sisters, you are of equal value. Now, in a sense, because we live in a Western uh, society which has been so influenced by Christianity, we don't find that so alarming to hear. We think, yes, of course we're equal in the sight of God. But actually, at that time, it was like most revolutionary to hear that. In Christ, you're on level ground. Doesn't matter about your background. Doesn't matter about what your intellect. Doesn't matter about your social status. In Christ, we're one. Doesn't matter about your ethnic uh, family backgrounds. In that sense, we don't judge each other like that. So Paul comes and he's passionate about this, absolutely passionate. But the problem when you're passionate about something is that it's really easy for you to become quite controlling. You see it clearly. So now you must, you ought, you should. You're absolutely convinced. And so it's easy for you to become the one that tells everybody else what they should do. And what's really interesting in this letter is Paul refuses to do that. Now, it's really, it is interesting when you read it. And when you read it over and over again, what you hear is Paul saying on the one hand, I'm not going to tell you what to do. Though I could. And uh, if, if Onesimus has ripped you off, I'll pay back. I'll pay back. Charge it to me. I'll pay you whatever he's taken. Though you owe me your very self. <laughs> so it's almost like Paul can barely control his own sort of natural responses. But what Paul is wanting to do is not say you must Because if you think someone that you really admire and respect is telling you, you must get this relationship right, the danger is you might try in order to please them, not because it's right. I think what Paul's trying to do here is try to uh, persuade Philemon, he is trying to persuade Philemon, to do the right thing because Philemon sees it. What I want to talk about really is what it's like for Paul to be a bridge builder between these two and how that might relate to our own situations. Whenever you're a bridge builder, whenever you act like a bridge builder, whenever you take that role on, you are the closest to God. Jesus will say in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the peacemakers. They will be called sons of God. You are never more like Jesus when you're trying to bring peace. So what does Paul want? He starts, being, he starts really by being clear about what good looks like. And it's a really good question. When you're trying to help someone else be reconciled, to actually say, well, what would good look like? look like around here what would it look like what would a good outcome be sometimes not every disagreement can lead to the same relationship that you had before but if you're trying to help bring peace then that's actually a good outcome it might you might you know you've got two members of your family and they've fallen out massively What does good look like around here? What you'd love is for them to be as close as they were. That might not happen, but you want peace. If you're at work, your colleagues that are at loggerheads and really doing damage to one another. If you're the peacemaker in that situation, they may never be good friends, but you just want peace in the office or in the shop floor. What does Paul want? Paul says, I want three things. I want Philemon, I want you to see Onesimus as more than a slave. In Christ, there's no slave, no free. I want you to see him as a human. I want you to see him differently. Don't see him as the rest of the world sees him. Secondly, I want you to welcome him back. I want you to welcome him back. And thirdly, I think what Paul really would want. In verse 13, Paul says this, I would have liked to keep him with me so he could take your place in helping me while I'm in chains for the gospel. I think what Paul would have really wanted was Philemon to say, he can stay with you, Paul. Now, that might be an ask too much. So Paul never says it out directly. But I think that's probably one of the things that Paul would have hoped for. But what's his strategy? Well, just want to run through these really quickly. Firstly, he doesn't stay silent. You could imagine him saying to Onesimus when he's in prison, probably in Ephesus, Onesimus, you need to go home, son. Onesimus, you need to sort this out. Onesimus, you're in the wrong place. Go home, son. Get it sorted. And Paul could have stayed out of it. But he chooses not to. Because he knows he's got influence. He knows he can make a new story develop here. Knowing when to get involved and when not to get involved takes an enormous amount of wisdom, doesn't it? He doesn't attack Philemon. He doesn't attack Philemon at all, and he doesn't attack Onesimus either. He tries to produce a new situation he seems to understand the cost the cost to philemon the things we were talking about before and so he's gentle he wants to influence and not control he wants them to imagine a new future so he says about anesimus anesimus which means useful He was useless, Philemon to you, but he could come back and he would be so different now. It's a new future. And then what he does is he bathes it in prayer. It begins with, I thank God every time I think of you. I pray for you. I'm praying about this situation. Because I think what Paul knows, I don't think think he's sort of flattering. I think what Paul knows is if God's not at work here, I'm not sure how it's all going to work out. He says at one point, I could be bold and I could order you, but I appeal to you. He doesn't want to use his authority. And so he highlights three things. Paul says, I'm an old man and I'm a prisoner. I've got no... I've not got power. I'm coming to you in weakness. Onesimus, he's changed. Philemon, he's not the same young man that he was. And Paul says on at least three occasions, Philemon, I love you. I love you. So. What did Paul do? That's what Paul did. What about those? Some of you, for some of you, this morning will be, I could log this because I think there might be times in the future, because there's been times in the past when I've had to play that sort of role. And I'm not sure I've always done it well. And for others of you this morning, it will be, this is really relevant because I... there's a situation. You're not Paul. You don't need to be. You're who you are, but you're filled with the same spirit of God that filled Paul. Peacemakers, sons of God, people who can make a difference. So what I've kind of tried to do is paraphrase my own (laughs) understanding of what Paul's strategy is, and it's this. Firstly, control your own fear. Sometimes we don't get involved because we're fearful of the outcome. You know that thing, that little picture I had, the the little emojis of Philemon and Esimus and then Paul? How many of you know that sometimes it feels like Philemon and Esimus gang up on you and kill (laughs) both of them who were at one time at loggerheads, now both gang up and shoot you? Or sometimes it's that fear of what if it all goes wrong? When we are tired, when we are weary, and I mean more than a night's sleep will sort. Some of us are really tempted to catastrophize. Do you know what I mean by that? Things are going to be the worst. The worst is going to happen. It normally happens in the middle of the night, about three o'clock, doesn't it? When you wake up, you can't sleep. And it's the worst scenario is going to happen. And in a sense, I think what Paul's doing, at least in part, and I think he does this a lot in his letters, he controls his own fear. The fear is always there for Paul, and it will always be there for me and you. But actually, it's controlling it. It's not letting it have sway in our lives. Paul understands the issues. And if I'm going to help people build bridges, if you're going to help people build bridges... You need to show that you understand deeply the issues. It's not enough just to say, be nice. You need to understand what's gone wrong. You need to understand why emotions are so high. You need to understand what could happen next. You need to accept your limits. There's that thing that people talk about all the time, that you take on more than you should. Accept the facts, as Paul said, I'm a prisoner, I'm an old man, I can only write you a letter. The best I can do. Accept the fact that you can't control other people. Accept the limits that you have, but offer a better story. What could happen here? And then finally, pray. And if prayer comes at the last, it's not because it's the final thing you do. But it's actually that everything you're involved with becomes bathed in prayer. And I want to say something, and I I hope you hear this the right way. If you're connected to situations, and you could have influence. If I'm connected into situations, I could have influence to bring peace. And I choose not to. There's no point me just praying. Sometimes Prayer, this is all in big brackets, sometimes prayer is a cop-out. Prayer is a cop-out because you don't want to get involved, because you're nervous, because I'm frightened of what might happen next, so I pray about it. Now, there's a million qualifications I'd want to make to that last sentence, (laughs) but do you understand what I'm trying to say? It's why I put prayer at the end there, not just at the beginning. Of course, what you want is all of your actions to be bathed in prayer. A community of prayer. Go back to the emojis that we used at the beginning. A whole bunch of people surrounding you. Going, we'll pray for you. We'll pray with you. We'll pray you'll have the wisdom you need. We'll pray that you will be able to see a new future as i said i think there are some of you who inevitably in, a, in any group of this sort of size there'll be some of you that will go i can think of a situation immediately that i'm in, that i'm close to that i need to to step up to And I suppose it's just a matter of whether you need to discern whether it is just the nudge of the Spirit that would say, come on. But for all of us, you will know other people in that situation. And as a whole community, we're the people who stand around going, we're with you, we're not going to let you do this on your own. We'll pray for you. Because ultimately, we're reflecting... The work of Jesus. Who came to people who were enemies and made peace. Who gets involved in the messy situations. And brings reconciliation between God and us. And between us and each other. And between us and the people around us. Blessed are the peacemakers. They'll call you a son of God, so much like your father. We're going to pray together, and we're going to pray very specifically um, for those of you that right now are facing those sort of situations. It's not really that you're in the middle of it yourself, but that you can help others. It's that that we're going to pray for. I'm going to ask the band to come back and uh, they're going to help us. It might be that if you're in the middle of a situation, by the way, you just need to ask for help. But this is if you are the one who actually is trying to help others make peace. You're the Paul to someone else's Philemon and Inesimus. i going to ask these guys, can you just play gently in the background for a minute or two? And uh, as they do that, do you want to just take a moment to think and reflect and process? I suppose really it's a moment where you could begin to think what does the Lord want of me? maybe it's a good question to ask. So as these guys just begin to play, then we'll pray. And then what we're going to do is we're going to offer you the chance to be prayed with personally. So after I've prayed and we go through this little moment, if you'd like someone to pray with you very specifically, if you go to the back of the church, then the prayer team will come and pray with you. You don't need to explain everything. You don't need to go into great detail. You just need to go and actually just by the fact that you're standing there, you're indicating, I need help. And that's all they need to know. (laughs) You don't need to say if it's family. You don't need to say if it's work. You don't need to say anything. You just need to go, I'm here. And they'll pray that you'll have wisdom and that you'll have a good deftness of touch with that situation. But let us just take a moment to be still. Spirit, I just pray that you come and rest upon us. Holy Spirit, come and do your work of reminding us, nudging us, making us aware. Holy Spirit, come and speak into our hearts, we pray. Lord, for those of us who are involved in situations where we're trying to build bridges, we're trying to help people make peace, Lord, would you come and give us confidence and assurance and an assuredness And Lord, when we're frightened, Lord, would you calm our fears, we pray. And Lord, when we're anxious that we don't know what to say or how to do it, Lord, would you give us words to say and wisdom to know how to say it. Lord, may we be peacemakers, people who help other people make peace. Pray for people in work situations where the relationships are different and it's hard sometimes to know because of position what you can say and what you can't say. Lord, I pray for those, because it's a work context, you don't know whether you've overstepped your mark and you're frightened about that. Lord, I want to pray that you'd give us wisdom and creative wisdom to know how to deal with it. Lord, I pray for those for whom it's in families. Lord, it hurts more because it's in a family. Lord, would you help us to control our own fear? We offer it to you. Holy Spirit of God, come and rest on us, we pray.